Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of Floorcast, the NFT podcast. As usual, I'm rejoined by a couple of C's this week. First and foremost, Corwin, community at Floor NFT. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully, Pet. How are you doing? Again, holding the mic like your usher on stage or something like that. No. What has New York done to you? You've changed the way you hold your mic. You've become an art savant. And I drink wine now. <laughs> well, that's clearly Chris's influence, who's also on the show, by the way, this week. You would not even believe the Corwin stories that we've gotten from the past already <laughs> three weeks of Corwin being in New York. It is quite, quite special. <laughs> and as you can hear, Chris Madden, co-founder of Floor NFTs, also on with us this week, which is great. And before we talk about the weather, I'd like to remind everyone to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. I think we're up to almost 100 reviews, uh, which is fantastic. So please do leave a five-star review. A written one is preferable, of course. And if you don't like it, then I guess give your honest opinion, but it would be preferable if it was good. How is the weather, Corwin? Yesterday, the weather was amazing. Today, back to hot and humid. (laughs) We're similar here over in London. Are you missing California weather? Yes, every single day I miss California weather. But I love New York, so kind of evens out. Wait, you were in LA, right? Yeah, I was right outside LA. So it's, and... it's less California weather and more like LA weather, which is really, really, really nice. Because, for example, mm. San Francisco weather mm. can not nice definitely go away. Yeah, that isn't nice. That is quite close to London, isn't it, in terms of weather, San Francisco? Not far off, yeah. Not fun. Not fun. Right, I think we should get into it because there are actually a few sizable stories that have come out this week. And I think they're pretty interesting ones and some interesting topics. First and foremost, we're going to talk about NFTs. So Tiffany & Co. reveal their first NFTs. If you don't know who Tiffany & Co. are, they're the luxury jewelry brand. And they are releasing NFTs for 30 ETH, which is about $50,000 at the time of recording. What are the NFTs? They are punk or crypto punk exclusive mintable 18 karat gold, like pendants, emblems, necklaces crafted specifically for your punk. So if you have a crypto punk in your wallet, you go and mint this thing for 30 ETH and it creates you a digital and physical piece, which is pretty cool. And yeah, to be honest with you, this was on the whole received quite well by kind of like the Web3 community. I sure saw some people being like, cash grab, cash grab. And I was like, guys, they would make $12 million from this. Tiffany made $9 billion last year. Like (laughs) if they were looking to make money, this would not be the first and foremost thing they look at. So Corwin, love to hear your thoughts about this. I think it's great. I I think it's really cool. And like Tiffany wants to explore the space some more and just get into it. I don't like... Obviously, I'm not a blue chip holder, so I don't really have like any crazy opinions that some of them do have, which is like, oh, I I made this chain last year and mine's way better, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's really cool for them to get in the space. And like like you said, like it's not a cash grab because like what, 12 million is all that they're going to make when they do 9 billion a year. Like it's, I think it's just for them to get into the space and kind of get like a new broader audience, especially since they know these holders are the ones that have money and the ones that are going to spend money with them. Yeah, it's not, it's not a cash grab. I think if anything, it's kind of a relevance grab. But all of the channels that I was in talking about it really came down to one thing, which is if it's backed by something physical, it's super cool and interesting. If not, it's probably not. The answer is kind of somewhere in the middle, which is, it sounds like there is a physical item, which is like that 
creation of your CryptoPunk. I haven't seen any kind of take on, okay, well, you're paying 30 ETH. Is it actually like a thing that's worth 30 ETH? So you're just buying it and there's a digital collectible? Or are you buying a digital collectible and they give you a free thing that's worth like 5 ETH? Or I don't yet understand kind of what the breakdown of how they're thinking about it. Because really, this is just a new and innovative sale for them in many ways. Like they're selling to a targeted audience, a custom product at a $50,000 price point, which is good business and interesting. But I'm curious to see like where the NFT really plays into that and how they interact. Yeah, I mean, I guess like creating that physical thing will cost quite a lot of money. It's not like the margin on this is going to be like, I mean, I, I was <laughs> while you were speaking, I went on like a scrap gold price calculator. And if you were to sell like 100 grams of scrap 18 karat gold, it would you'd get like over 3000 pounds from that. So that's like almost $4,000, right? So if this is like personally crafted by like a specialist, it's 18 karat gold, you know, it's probably got to cost a lot of money to make, right? So I, I definitely understand the price point. Maybe. Jewelry pricing is not my uh, my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was wine. Fuck. <laughs> I was reading one quote from their CEO of the, the entire group. Is it LVGH? The entire group. And they Wait, were LVMH is, owns Tiffany? Is it? I think so. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, they did. Jesus they Christ. They do. Tiffany's such a crazy business. Like for a long time, the number one and number two retail sales per square foot of store were the two stores next to each other, the Apple store at Central Park South, the Cube, and then next door, the Tiffany store, were the two, the number one and number two respectively, most sales per square foot of retail space in the world. Wow. It's crazy that LVMH owns them as well as all of that stuff. Recent acquisition as of, I think, late 2020, it was agreed. So kind of mid-pandemic. Sounds but familiar, now you say. They, they did just over $3 billion revenue in 2020, 2021. They tripled that, which is, uh, which is pretty crazy. But the, the point I wanted to make is that the group CEO said something along the lines of, we're not going to be going and doing like $10 sneakers anytime soon when he was asked about like the brand strategy of Tiffany's or, and the entire group, which I, I think was one of the reasons why I quite like this because they didn't kind of go and cater towards any other audience rather than kind of themselves, they, their own. They were like, our audience is wealthy individuals that go and, you know, buy expensive jewelry. What is the kind of premium assets within the NFT world? You're looking at, you know, punks, apes, etc. And they've just kind of tried to overlap those two. Sorry, Corwin, go on. I'm, I'm curious how quick you guys think this will sell out. Will it be botted? Is it going to go in 30 seconds? But like, isn't it harder to bot it? It's hard to bot if they're one-to-one to crypto punks. Unless someone with a lot of crypto punks buys all of them, which I don't think will happen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're one-to-one. But I know like, I think like, I think your friend Gary, Chris, owns a couple hundred of them actually. But then Gary needs to like go and find a hundred times 50 grand that he wants to put into an NFT (laughs) meets like Tiffany thing, right? Which is... (laughs) You know, five million bucks. It's five million bucks. Like even to someone like Gary V, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, when you put it that way. How quick do you guys think it will actually go? I think instantly. What is the mint parameter? I actually don't know. How many of them are there? Two hundred and fifty. And there are ten K crypto punks. Yeah. I think go fairly quickly. I think it'll go fairly quickly too. So how much do you think they'll resell for? And this is where the custom bit is interesting. Because 
In a world where they weren't customized to the individual CryptoPunk, I actually think they'd resell for a lot. In a world where they're customized to the original CryptoPunk, and this is what has me like a little bearish on the high-end market for like highly customized NFTs. It's just like, what are you going to do? Wear someone else's CryptoPunk around your neck? That's kind of weird. It also begs the question about like customizability generally within NFTs, because I suppose the more, even if it's just a digital thing, right? If you make something more customizable on the spectrum, if it's completely customized and personalized to either an NFT or yourself, you kind of lose the secondary market liquidity to some extent. Like I'm sure someone would buy a, I'm sure someone would buy someone else's punk physical pendant thing, right? I'm sure they would. But like if we're talking just NFTs, that customizable aspect, I think, yeah, it's it's a fine balance and it's difficult to to do well. But yeah, I am I'm really intrigued by the secondary on this. Like I do wonder how how much they'll be going for. My my gut feeling is like a fair bit. <laughs> the other question is, you know, once you buy it and you get two things. You get this digital collectible and you get your necklace sent to you. You know, how do you know whether the necklace comes with the NFT? I think you have to assume it doesn't, right? Like otherwise, like what's someone gonna ship you? some necklace that they got when you buy the NFT. And so then the NFT is almost like an empty husk of a necklace purchase in many ways. I kind of wonder if these are going to come in packages now, right? Like if you look at Christie's, like you're going to have a lot of five crypto punks with their chains or associated to it. And then like also like what about people like Snoop Dogg and stuff who have like their chain made like do you think he there's like some sort of secondary market for wearing Snoop Dogg's CryptoPunk? I don't know, um, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Oh, that'd be cool. I would probably wear Snoop's CryptoPunk. <laughs> Can we tweet that? Which basically means I'd wear Dudas's CryptoPunk because they're basically the same CryptoPunk. It's pretty wild. That is interesting though. Like One of the things we probably should discuss is how perfect a, a guess example of a permissioned activation between like NFT holders and brands without needing permission from the original IP owners. Like obviously you can now own CryptoPunks IP. They made it like CCO in the sense that like you have commercial rights to it in the same way that you do your board eight. I think this is just like a really great example where like even the I think one of the Yuga founders was like, we were not involved in this. Like we were told about it, but like we were not involved in any step of the journey. And like we're really happy to see stuff like this happening since we acquired the punks. So I think this is a really good example. And I'm I'm hoping it sets off a lot of light bulbs from an idea perspective in a lot of kind of rights holders of big brands or people looking to activate in this space in like a, a more authentic way. Nothing else on this one? Kind of wish I could get one. <laughs> have Dudas buy you one. I don't know if I don't know if that's how our relationship works. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I have a 50k 18 karat gold pendant that's customized to your CryptoPunk? Thanks. That seems like an easy no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some more fine luxury good news within kind of web3 i guess gucci are going to support apecoin payments at specific stores in the us so they came out with a tweet today saying and and it was quite funny because they tweeted it and it had loads of like spelling errors in it and they had to delete it but anyway they tweeted like now accepting apecoin payments via bitpay select gucci boutiques in the usa expand the range of cryptocurrencies available for in-store purchases yeah, another step in the house's exploration of Web3. Corwin, would you spend ApeCoin in a Gucci store? A hundred percent no, but also 
interesting that they would announce this a couple of days after Tiffany. I wonder if it has anything to do with it, only because Instagram did the same thing after Twitter came out with their hexagon picks. Um, like Instagram's like, oh, we're going to be supporting NFTs, even though it didn't, even though it still hasn't happened yet, right? Fully, I know it's in testing, but I wonder if the news. Um, of Tiffany's like kind of triggered that to come this week. But definitely interesting to see. I think they're really trying to cater to their audience, right? Like a lot of, you know, imagine being able to get all these people who were just handed millions of dollars within the last year to come rep your brand because they could spend their ApeCoin there. I think it's a cool play, an interesting one, because they're only supporting like ApeCoin, right? Not Ethereum or anything else, which I mean, technically they are because ApeCoin is on ETH, but they also support Litecoin BCH and SHIB already, apparently, someone tweeted. I don't know if that's true, but I think it is true. Oh, man. I think, obviously, with ApeCoin, the entire thing around it has been, like, how many different use cases can you have so that, that like, enough coins are used on actual goods, events, experiences, whatever it may be. And a lot of that will come from, like, Yuga. I also think, you know, with all the kind of, like, game side of things and game economy will obviously be fueled by ApeCoin, you'd think. I do think that initially they have to get into a position where like people are using apecoin for you know digital goods services like in an game economy before maybe you start looking at like physical stuff like this i just i don't know like how big an overlap there is between you know gucci and apecoin holders so i don't know it's a bit strange but also like are gucci even a competitor to tiffany like they're selling completely different things right whereas instagram and twitter are going after kind of, you know, it's the same sphere, just in a different way. Like Gucci and Tiffany are slightly different. So I'm curious as to whether or not the timing is coincidental or not, basically. They're both luxury companies though, right? Even though they both sell things that are like fairly cheaper. Like I think Tiffany (laughs) probably has some stuff for like 300 bucks, but same with Gucci, right? One gram of scrap 18 karat gold, according to my calculator. (laughs) I feel like they are similar in some certain ways. Um, Like if I'm going to go to a high-end mall like South Coast Plaza, or I'm going to go to, I don't know, uh, what's here, like the Hudson Yards Mall, whatever's here, like you're going to find those stores kind of in the same area, but maybe maybe I'm completely off on that. But interesting play. Well, listen, this isn't an impromptu one, but I think there is a story that's just broken that Chris has tweeted, which is Magic Eden coming to ETH. They've tweeted Magic Ethan, and Chris wasn't the strongest tweet. <laughs> the video is awesome. The video is really cool. The actual tweet text was, yeah, it could be stronger. Magic Ethan, full stop. Chris tweeted uh, Magic Eden coming to ETH, probably the strongest entrant to create some competition with OpenSea. So Chris, since you've tweeted this during show, it's obviously, you know, got your brain whirring. What do you think about this? Yeah, I think what Coinbase showed us is that non-native platforms entering will have a tough time. And that's not to say people won't succeed at it, but they got a lot of stuff wrong. Magic Eden has, you know, in in an ecosystem that I'm not personally particularly excited about right now, long-term bullish, but you know, Solana has a lot of junk today. Uh, Magic Eden has been wildly successful at building a pretty high-quality curated marketplace. Uh, they've got a pretty loyal fan base. They uh, have avoided any major kind of security or PR issues. They're a real marketplace. They're the number one by quite a long way, I believe, now on Solana. And then when you also think about allowing bridging of Solana and ETH for purchases, which is one of the things that they're talking about, so like letting ETH maxis buy 
Sol NFTs and ETH um, and vice versa. I, th- I think a lot of that gets really interesting. I think it's going to be really interesting to see someone who knows how to build a marketplace and execute come into ETH and potentially create um, a little bit of competition. I think where it will be hard is ETH, so much ETH liquidity is still just on OpenSea. Uh, they're going to have the same challenge that LooksRare and Coinbase had. Like, how do you get people to put listings there? Like, there's nothing saying that they can't. Eh, isn't they may potentially be able to syndicate some OpenSea liquidity as long as they don't mind paying OpenSea fees through Seaport. I don't know what terms of service and stuff says there, but theoretically, it seems like it should be fine. But anyway, it's a really interesting development. It's the first new marketplace entrant that I'm not just like, oh, okay, here we go. Did you think that about GameStop? Uh, yeah, and I still do. Like, I, I don't think they'll be a real long-term player. Like, I think it's an interesting meme. I think people are having fun with it. I think they did a better job than Coinbase, but... I'm pretty sure there are children. The bar was low, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they just I've never seen more hype and less delivery than <laughs> Coinbase managed on the NFT marketplace. It's pretty wild. Because they completely fundamentally missed what would make it work for consumers. And I don't think GameStop's necessarily solved that in any way except make it slightly more fun for consumers, which is not to be underestimated. Like I think people enjoy going and like messing around in the meme marketplace. But I think Solana brings uh, a very sophisticated view to this problem. Yeah, it's an interesting move. And yeah, they've done really, really well on the soul side and, and very curious to see how they do in ETH terms. Corwin, any thoughts? I love Magic Eden. I, I <laughs> like, oh, we forgot. Am, Corwin's a soul maxi. Fuck yeah, so. and I went to the soul Dude, store over the weekend. So, like, Did you actually? You got yourself for, a soul phone? I got myself a soul shoe. Has no one made those jokes like cell phone, soul phone yet? Like so, you could actually pre-order the cell phone there, but the cell phone. <laughs> no, like Magic Eden has always been like the biggest player in the Solana like ecosystem, and they've always done a great job, to my knowledge. They haven't like gone down for a significant long period of time, like I've seen other marketplaces do, and it just wow. Like, when there's eighty users, I know, I know, I know, I know. But they've they've done a really good job of adapting as well, like. Even their website will be like, hey, look, the soul network's like going slow. Like, this is why things aren't working, et cetera, et cetera. Like Chris said, like, out of all the people that came into the, or maybe you said, Pat, out of all the people that came into the marketplace scene, this is the least surprising. And I honestly think this is great for both soul and ETH. Overall, great for the ecosystem. I, it's a cool play. It seems like their homepage right now is a new ETH soul cross chain mint called EZU that I've actually never heard of before. This is really interesting. And they also had to adapt because um, OpenSea started accepting Soul. So if they want to stay in the game, you kind of have to start accepting both or multiple chains now. Mm, yeah. yeah, interesting. Interesting developments. Wait, does Phantom support ETH? Not to no. my knowledge. I don't think so. Because interestingly, even trying to connect my ETH wallet, it's trying to recommend Phantom, and it doesn't look like they support MetaMask on this page, which would be a pretty big problem. Oh, I think you... Oh, no. I don't think you can. I think Corwin's right. I think it's like Bridge ETH or something like that. Oh, yeah. They have like whatever that Solana wrapped ETH concept is. Yeah. Did you guys see too? Nano got like hacked for like, what was it, 90 million or 190 million yesterday? Yeah, I saw. I saw that. Yeah. Another day, another bridge hack. Bridging isn't doing as well as people thought it would in terms of like security of funds and transactions, which is not great. If we all believe in a cross-chain future in in the future, there's got to be some way to to get cross-chain. And Vitalik came out pretty clearly and said, it's a hard problem that may or may not really be solvable and may or may not be worth solving. Yeah, I guess it's easy to say that as the creator of the number one blockchain. 
and not wanting to bridge to others, but or at least kind of the number one programmatic blockchain. It's interesting to see how that plays out. But right now, I would be very nervous to start a bridge. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of avalanche maxis because their whole thing is like no bridging, like L1 all the way down type of thing. And a few of their kind of like evangelists and, and maxis have been kind of tweeting every time a bridge hack happens. And yeah, it's going to be hard to prove those types of people wrong. Um, if it keeps happening. So yeah, interesting to see where that goes. Before we move on to our last couple of topics, uh, I need to remind you that we are a community-led podcast by the Floor NFT app community. And if you don't know what Floor is, it's your very own NFT portfolio in your pocket, an app that aggregates all your NFTs into one amazing interface, showing you price movements, latest sales, and so much more. We should get someone else to do a different version of that every episode so I can put like Corwin on the spot next week. And be like, oh, they're bringing the cutest dogs into the into the WeWorker now. Oh well, here we go. <laughs> it's funny because our only community question this week is about pets, so I'm sure Colin will probably talk about that for a while. Our next topic is all about NFT ticketing. This comes after I saw a tweet from Matty DCL blogger, who is kind of famous for being early in Decentraland and like just all things NFTs. I think he owns about like almost a hundred Clonexes and stuff. He tweeted, Ticketmaster put a job ad out for senior product manager for NFT integrations, reselling, collecting, leasing. So much can be done with NFT ticketing. It's a top five NFT use case long term, in my opinion. So I'm sure everyone knows Ticketmaster. If you've ever gone to like a concert, a sports game of any sort, probably use them even if you weren't realizing that you're using them they have a big monopoly and stranglehold definitely in north america and also a lot of europe uh, in a lot of ticketing related activities and i guess there's been this promise or idea that tickets could be nfts for a long time if you kind of think about like going to the theater or like to a soccer match or whatever 20 years ago you might get like kind of a ticket that is quite specific to that game and looks cool and it maybe is a bit more individual and every season those change or whatever. But nowadays you just get a QR code and you kind of throw away that that ticket afterwards. So I suppose bringing back that kind of collectability element of tickets is something interesting as well. I mean, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Corwin. Like, do you think this is going to be a reality? I'm sure there's like, there's so many companies right now working on this. And I just wonder if this is like a scalable use case. Yeah, it, I think it'll be reality. I think it's. I don't think it's going to be on any chain that ETH or Solana or anything. I think it's probably going to. They're probably going to do something in the Dapper Labs or Flow. But Ticketmaster already did this, correct, for the Super Bowl? Not for the ticketing, but they gave everyone like a free NFT for people who attended. Yeah. So they've already kind of been in the space for a little bit. I don't think anyone's particularly interested in getting a memorabilia NFT at the other side of it. I think the play is one of two things, either building communities around teams on top of NFTs. And like Ticketmaster does have a really interesting, unique in to each of those communities. Like the Rangers are at MSG, Ticketmaster has a massive prepaid deal with MSG, so every single ticket for every single team at MSG has to go through Ticketmaster. So I do think there's an interesting potential secondary software angle, but I think all we really want to know is when are you going to create a free and open marketplace for liquidity in tickets because right now the system is pretty broken. If they're not the ones who do it, someone else will, but it will take decades because Ticketmaster has very long deals with venues. 
which gives Ticketmaster, you know, five to 10 years to figure this out, I think, before it really, really hurts them. But if they're not thinking about it, then that would be silly. And I just looked on LinkedIn. They already have three people who publicly have NFT in their job title um, at LinkedIn. So this is not their first NFT hire. Also, um, Ticketmaster loves fees, right? So I'm curious what you guys think their marketplace fee would be. Not 2.5%, right? Well, it depends, I guess. Like, if it's just additional revenue on top of their already, you know. I think the most interesting part will not be what their fee is, but rather how you can structure royalties back to the original artists. Mm. So, like, one of the hot topics that I think will bootstrap this discussion really well is, you know, Ticketmaster and venues and artists have started doing this weird thing where they, like, try and preemptively predict what the price would be on secondary for a ticket and then charge people it up front, which means, you know, getting a decent ticket for a really high-end show can be, you know, thousands of dollars when it would have been a hundred bucks. And so if you can make the original artist participatory in all resales, That becomes really, really interesting, particularly if you build rules in around face value and last sale. And you say, like, essentially, you just make sure that people can't take all the profit and that profit is shared back, but that people can cover their costs, change their plans and make a little money if they choose to um, is really interesting. But of course, like they also have the probably one of the hardest examples of a primary sale abuse market in that ticket scalping is like one of the oldest games going. And in a world where there was an open liquid market for the assets, it would just greater incentivize people to bought ticket drops. So they have some hard problems to solve, but it is a really interesting use case. Can I ask some stupid questions? So if this is on-chain, right, the ticketing is on-chain, can't you more easily front-run ticket sales if you can direct see and mint on-chain before it gets onto the UR, like the front end. Because I've, I've actually, no, you, I've heard that that's happened to a few people for it, events. It has, but they could, they could use like a thing called a signature where like it requires like it to go through their front end or through their website. I mean, Chris will know more about this than I. My, my guess is they're not going to open up primary sales off platform. And yeah, they'll do that through most likely the application of something like ensuring that valid requests to mint a ticket only come from a request that's signed by their backend. And you could potentially do the same thing for much of the secondary market, depending upon chain and technologies used. But ideally, there should be a relatively open market for secondary um, and potentially allow others to make their own marketplace. Like, you know, anyone can go make a marketplace for ETH NFTs. And a lot of people are starting to stand up their own marketplaces for their own subsets of assets. I also think this kind of opens up these artists to be more creative in these teams because imagine like, I don't know, the Lakers or Justin Bieber partnering with like one of their favorite artists to make like a really cool ticket Mm. that's like displayed. I think that'd be really cool as well, like some sort of 3D animation or something. Uh, Make it extra special for special events. Yeah, because like people buy like I don't know, concert posters or t-shirts from specific concerts and stuff. It's like buying that digitally in advance of you being somewhere and then proving that you were there but also like getting access to the thing with that nft i think it's really interesting the Ticketmaster thing is obviously yeah the stranglehold they have on on this on on you know multi-industry wide is big like even from an infrastructure perspective like the actual like hardware of turnstiles that work with Ticketmaster stuff like i'm sure they're involved in some of that part of the supply chain as well which is yeah they're just very heavily and entrenched, especially in the sports world. I, I don't know much about other industries, but anyone I've ever talked to like in sport 
who are like rights holders or work at like football teams and NBA and uh, MLB teams, they're all like, yeah, Ticketmaster just have like such a, we're not even going there yet, which is interesting. But I definitely do think it is a big use case. I know there's some interesting articles out there about like whether or not verifiable credentials will be like a better bet from a ticketing perspective. I don't think I'm tech savvy enough to even begin trying to have that conversation, but maybe one when uh, Curtis is back on, because I think it's interesting. I don't know if you guys know, but like the Champions League final, which is like one of the biggest games in soccer, had this really big kind of almost scandal because loads of Liverpool and Real Madrid fans couldn't get in because they were accused of having fake tickets, all that kind of thing. So I I think there's going to be, yeah, lots of interesting use cases that are, I guess, blockchain fueled in the future. Our last topic of the day is something I wrote about this week, which I thought was really, really good. And again, sorry to harp on about more sports ball stuff, but this I thought was really, really interesting. So bear with me for a second while I explain. So Sir Jeff Hurst is the England striker who scored a hat-trick in the World Cup final in 1966 to win England's only World Cup, right? And he partnered with uh, an agency, a Nifty Gateway, to basically create an NFT that immortalizes his memories of that game. And the way they're immortalized is they're partnered with a artist called Reaps One, who's like a famous beatboxer. I know this is going to sound weird, right? He's a famous beatboxer in the UK, but has done a load of NFT stuff over the last 24 months. And what he does is he takes like voice samples from people and creates these like digital gems that are unique one-to-one to someone's voice. And for every like word or bit of speech, a different type of gem is like configurated with the information that's inputted. And they look amazing, right? All of them are one, one, one of ones. He says like every bit of voice is like a fingerprint that has different tone and you know, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. It's really awesome. And so the whole reason he's doing it is a lot of his friends from the 1990, the 1966 World Cup squad have either died or gotten like quite bad dementia and can't really remember that far back. And he kind of talks about in the press release, like, I've already started forgetting things and I don't know how much longer I have these memories, so I want to immortalize them. And I just thought this was a really, really interesting and novel way of utilizing NFTs. All the proceeds from the sales are going to be donated to like Alzheimer's research societies. And I just thought it was a real good, uh, feel good story to end up on. And also a real novel use case, which I thought was really cool. No thoughts on this one, Corbin? No thoughts, literally. (laughs) Literally no thoughts. Sorry, I got distracted because someone got stuck in the elevator here and I just hear them ringing the bell multiple times right now. (laughs) Just like it's, it's giving me bad memories. I've just sent an example of one of the gems, or like one of the Reaps One gems in uh, the Floorcast channel. They look pretty cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. Oh wow. Yeah, they're really. Yeah, cool. this is really hard to relate to without seeing, and then very cool when you see it. Yeah, like seriously, seeing this is like whoa. I just zoomed in because when you said it, I was like, okay, fine, like. Yeah, they look really cool. So what we'll do, I think, is we can upload some of these images into the actual like RSS feed so people can see it on their podcast app as they're listening. Oh, that's cool. Thanks, Chris K, for continuously giving feedback. Has anyone made like a thing where you can change the image in the podcast viewer as you're talking about topics? So you can get like topic slides. That's what we're talking about. Oh, that's a thing that exists? Why does no one do this? I've never seen this. Oh, we should, if we add if we add this to that, that would be so cool so people could see it. So a lot of the reasons that podcasts don't do it 
one, it doesn't do it on all players. So the player has to have the the kind of functionality in it. So I think only I think only Overcast and Apple Podcasts and a couple others do it. So if like if you're listening on Spotify, I don't think you get it. And also it's a bit of it's kind of fiddly. You've got to like because there's no option on the podcast distributor to do it or most of them. So like you can't just do it on Anchor FM. You have to go to like an encoder, put the images up, and then and then put the that MP3 that's encoded into the distributor. Blah blah blah. So a lot of podcasters just don't do it because they can't be bothered and others don't know but i don't know why more podcast distributors haven't created that functionality but yeah it's pretty cool and wait chris i don't know if you've seen all the nfts that chris k has been giving away in the floorcast channel yeah i have a couple of them <laughs> i have a couple as well the monsters of the blockchain shout out chris k shout out chris k so funny so so funny if no one's seen those he sent me over like 12 he's like i need help naming these and it's so funny like actually like the names i'm giving some of them (laughs) he uses them it's so funny honestly that sparked like a massive rabbit hole i like conversation between he and i i was like what if we made these chapters and each one of them were nfts and everyone who asks a question on the floorcast gets one of them after the show and stuff like that and yeah it was quite funny but I, I thought it was really, really interesting. Like just how much people liked them and thought they were cool. So yeah, the big shout out to Chris Gay. He's sending them to like pretty much anyone who asks. So it's a benefit of being in the floor discord. Yep. If you're breathing and you have a MetaMask wallet, <laughs> hit, up, hit up Chris Gay. <laughs> he will send it to you. No questions asked. There are only 62 right now. There are none for sale. <laughs> yeah, no one has listed a single one. Everyone's just, hold on. Hashtag floor is lava. <laughs> no, floor is priceless, pet. Oh, man. Yeah, there's no point. There's no point listing because they would get gobbled up straight away. <laughs> what are you saying, pet? Hey, emu, stay away from my guac. That's a good are one. Are you talking to a dog, Chris? Uh, no, it's a, it's a name of a monster of the blockchain. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did not name that one, Chris. <laughs> Right, well, listen, on that note, I think I'll probably ask you, Chris, uh, what the latest from Floor is, apart from Chris K giving 62 months to the blockchain away. Oh, man. Next week's going to be a really big week. we got a lot of stuff coming. We just shipped a bunch of updates today. Uh, smaller updates, Android on its path towards being kind of a full parity app with iOS um, launched estimated value for Android this week. And we've been gradually rolling out more collections supported for estimated value. So that'll let you understand what the value of any NFT in a collection is. And then also collection live mode for Android. So kind of see real-time activity in a collection. On iOS, just shipped a couple updates to the collection screen. So now you can see supply, holders, and total volume, and kind of some other improvements. I think that's roughly it. But next week, the whole app's going to change quite a lot. So next week's going to be a really good, uh, really good week. It's for sure the biggest updates that we've shipped. Um, so if you are listening and want to know more, come to Town Hall, which will be next Wednesday, and we will be sharing a lot of info. I'm really excited. Serious, serious foreshadowing there. There's some really cool stuff coming. There's a reason Curtis isn't allowed in the Discord anymore. He's got too much software to build. <laughs> He's going to have to sell his bunk bed soon. <laughs> He's actually going to be in New York next week. <gasps> Not next week. Week after. Oh, is it the week after? Because he told me he's like... I think. Oh, no. No, no, you're right. No, it's, it's next, week. next week. He wants to go to the Solana store with me, so we're going to go next week. You guys should do the podcast without me, IRL. Nah. Nah. At the Solana store. As I said that, I was like, the chaos and editing that that would require to make it into like a listenable thing. 
is high. Did you say you're going to go to the Solana store with him? Yeah, I'm going to go to the Solana store with Curtis. I'll go with you. I'm actually very curious about how they're doing some of their Web3 onboarding stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it would be a great team outing because it's it's cool how they have their onboarding set up with like iPads and stuff. If people want to come, they're welcome to, but I am not calling a team outing to the Solana store. Sorry. Why? Floor me at the Solana store. They, we could all pre-order the Solana phone. We could get Solana shoes together. We could be matching. You can get Solana shoes. You know how there's, you know how like companies and teams show up to like events, like all dressed out in the same stuff, <laughs> like the same outfit? Yes. And that stuff will not be Solana stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but the issue is you will look like some sort of bowling team. No, I know. I was about to say we look like we're from the movie Dodgeball and we're all showing up for like our dodgeball. <laughs> Call me on my cell phone. Wait, can you get cool custom sneakers? Is that a thing you can do? You can get cool custom sneakers from like Nike. I think it's called Nike ID, right, Pat? Back in like, I, I don't know why I should know that. Pat, you should know this. Pat, you should know this. <laughs> why should I know that? Right? You, because you look like the type of person to get some custom sneakers. I can confirm I don't have custom sneakers. How many pairs do I have to buy? I think you have to buy quite a few. You can get a sample though. We've got one community question here that I think I am going to ask before we leave. This is from Asuna, who's been asking a question every week. So thank you very much. They were rewarded, by the way, with a monster of the blockchain. So serious hint there. What was your first pet's name? And what was the make and model of your first car? <laughs> no, don't answer these. These are... Yeah, yeah. this is how they get into your bank account, pet. This is... Asuna should know better. <laughs> Asuna should know better. Asuna. I think she's testing us in public. <laughs> yeah. Cool in space lighting up there was so funny. Pet, I'm curious. Uh, what was the first elementary school you went to? Uh, <laughs> How about your mother's maiden name? Speaking of mother's maiden name, my mom watches a podcast. Shout out to my mom. She actually texted me last week saying that she was catching up in the latest episode. Oh, nice. Um, no way. So that's, that's awesome. Should we have a special guest sometime? That would be cool. <laughs> Does she mint? Does she mint? No, she's... Have you onboarded her yet? No, I have not onboarded her onto NFTs or Web3, but... Does she mint? (laughs) I don't know why I found that so funny. That is brilliant. Maybe if I took her to the Solana store, she could get her Phantom wallet set up. It's not a terrible idea. Without compromising my security, I've never had a pet and I can't drive. (laughs) Doesn't compromise your security, but... (laughs) Compromises how much people like me and my ability to get around cities. Right, on that note, I do think we need to wrap up. You can find us on the Floorcast at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to send you guys this tweet. Hold on. Go on. Go on. Send, send us the tweet. What's going okay, on? Okay, I'm sending it in Floorcast. Chris Cage just replied to my tweet on Chris's thread on Twitter. Go on. He said, this is the look Chris gives me when I meet him in a non-wine bar. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Speaking of monsters on the blockchain, thanks Chris K for making an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has just become the Chris oh the Chris K show. That is so good. Corbin, where can people find out more about you? You could find me on I don't know if you'll find out more about me, but you could find me on Twitter at Corbin, where can people find out like your intimate security details? <laughs> Zero X Corwin on Twitter and uh, Floor NFTs on Twitter and Floor NFT Discord. I pretty much plugging everything today. In there. Yeah, pretty much in there all the time. With, well, Curtis isn't in there as much anymore. You've got to double up to like make make up for it, right? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's been he's been barred because he leaks too much alpha. So, and Chris Madden, where can people find out more about you? On Twitter at Chris Madden, or as Corwin said, 
Uh, you can find us at Floor NFTs, at Floor NFTs or in the Floor Discord. Amazing. Please do subscribe if you haven't done so already. It takes a second on your app. And rate us five stars if you also haven't done that. And just a reminder that none of what we have said is financial advice, just great advice. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll have more Floorcast for you next week. Or rank us four stars if you think we're not very good. Yeah, then we'll be like, what can we approve on? It won't look good, but maybe it's for the best. <laughs> Why would you say that, Chris? There's something really odd to me about asking people to rank you five stars. Like you ask them to rate you, but rate us five stars? I don't know. Feels weird. Fine. Well, if we get less listeners, that'll be the reason, won't it, Corn? Cool. Loads of <laughs> a plethora of three-star reviews. 